Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. but I'm going to talk to us just to talk to us, amen to share from my heart and I believe the first step towards discipleship is a place of prayer I believe upon reflection I realize that when the spiritual frequency of an individual is too low um, to comprehend certain mysteries in the kingdom. When you attempt to communicate those mysteries to them, it seems, actually it becomes annoying to them because the frequency in the, their spiritual frequency is not at the same level from where you're communicating those truths or mysteries. So they either feel or they either perceive you as being uh, boastful or either over ambitious or sometimes you're too over spiritual. And you've heard people say, these people are unpractical, overly spiritual. Or they don't see, or whenever the spiritual frequency of an individual does not match up with the revelation, the mystery being revealed, you find that there is no actually commitment. There is no commitment to that which God is communicating or trying to draw us into. So I believe then the place of prayer is important for all of us because then that's the place that your spirit man begins to be sensitized in order to be able to perceive the frequency from which God is speaking from. Then you will know how exactly to apply yourself because that failure, that failure for that to happen, that's when you find us oh, rationalizing things to justify our failure to comply to them simply because we have not attained to that level of revelation. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, I feel that God is calling us to a deeper place in him. And especially if you're tired of religion, religiosity, you know, I was on the streets 
um, yesterday, Friday coming back from where I went to minister in Ilford. And uh, I was with a young man. He was passionate about the things of God. He was communicating from what place he's at and how he views things. And we started exchanging. And as we were talking, one of the things I realized that, uh, and it was scary that the Pentecostal church is becoming a religion without them realizing. And actually not becoming, we have actually become a religion. The church is religious now. So that before we used to criticize the Catholics, the Protestants, the Church of England, you know, and uh, but it looks like it's the Methodists now, and uh, it looks like the Pentecostal church has become what it used to criticize. You see, it's a religion now. It's our Sunday religion. You see, there is something that you need to understand. You see, something that is religious is predictable. And when something is predictable, it is destructible. When something is predictable, it is easy to terminate, to stop. Yet God has called the church into a space and the realm of unpredictability. I want you to open the scripture with me for you to look at John chapter 3 and verse. This is just in the passing of what I want to say. Look at the scripture in John chapter 3. Look at verse 8. Somebody read. It says, the wind blows where it listeth. And you hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell. You cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I repeat, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And that natural phenomenon is pointing to a supernatural reality of somebody that is born again. I always say that every natural phenomenon, every physical or happening points us to a spiritual reality if we are sensitive enough to hear, to observe and understand. And God is saying every time you hear the wind, the wind blows. And you can hear it. But you don't know where it's coming from. And you don't know where it's going. So you cannot predict it. Because it's not religious. So but when we become predictable. This is how our service will start. And this is how it will end. 
then the enemy is able to sabotage. Are you hearing me? And that's why the church has is afraid of stepping into the realm of the unpredictability. They want to be predictable. You see, when we come into our service, you know there are people that are secular and unbelievers will not, we shouldn't pray in tongues because we are going to scare them. So let's be predictable, speak the language that everybody understands and they get the scripture out of context. The church is not intended to be predictable. You're not supposed, a spirit man is not supposed to be predictable. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's why we should now in, come into the space of spiritual vulnerability and the spiritual innocence. Becoming children again in God. And that's key to finding God. Becoming children. Even though, even if you are sons of God, but don't forget to become a, to remain a child is to remain with the spiritual innocence. Where you, you are always afraid to think that you know him. That you've mastered these things. Hmm. There is a spirit that has captured the church and the church without realizing that spirit and how it has captured the spirit. I mean the church. Let us look at the book of Acts of Apostles chapter 16. I don't know why the Lord is driving me now in that direction, but I am a humble servant. I want us to go there. Are you there? Please. Acts of Apostles 16. Um, and we, we want to read from verse 16. Acts of Apostles. Acts of Apostles. This one is not on today. I don't know. Maybe I should rely on my one here. This one is not on today. This screen. Okay. I'll go with what I have. You know, my eyes are the best, so I can read from that one at the back. Let's go. Everybody, can I have it in New King James, please? Thank you very much. All of us, let's read. Now, it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling now read the statement again now it happened comma as we went to prayer comma that we were interrupted 
that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, interrupted us whilst we were on our way to prayer, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Let's go on. What? Let's, let's read. Uh -huh. This girl followed Paul and Silas and they cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Mosai God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Mm -hmm. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Mm -hmm. But when her masters, somebody say her masters, when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into prison, into the marketplace to the authorities for doing a good thing. Now they are not suffering or persecuted for doing a wrong thing. They are now taken to the markets and uh, what happens in the market to the authorities? What are they going to say? Can, are you interested to know? 19, 20. And they brought them to the magistrates. Hmm. When you bring somebody to the magistrate, you have come to accuse them, right? So now they are being accused. Mm -hmm. And said, these men being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. These men being Jehudis, meaning the people who know God, a Jew, that's what it means in its original meaning, somebody who knows God. Being Jews, these men trouble us and our city. This, okay, read, and they, listen to what they're saying. <laughs> now, they had just stepped into the city and this girl kept on following them everywhere. And look what they say. And they said, and they teach customs, traditions, values, principles that are not lawful for us. Being Romans to receive or observe. Mm -hmm, 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them. You can see that this spirit has the ability to incite multitudes, breathe accusation, false accusations, able to work its or able to actually to, I'm looking for the word to, uh, what do you do with the tongue? Able to twist and wisely, craftily use its tongue to achieve its goal. And it says, it says the, then the multitudes rose up together against them and the magistrates 
tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. <laughs> what did they do? Why are they beating them? They cast out something. They confronted something that hates to be confronted. They invaded a territory and there was a territorial principality seated in a personality called Adamso, a young lady. She wasn't just a young girl. She was a principality in the kingdom of darkness. By reason of what sat in her. Let's read the next verse. And when they had laid many stripes on them, when the Bible says many, it means lords, uncountable. And when they were truly flogged, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into where? Into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them what? This force wants you to be securely secured in bondage. Mm -hmm. 23, 4, 24. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened, you know, inner prison and then fastened their feet in the stocks. Somebody 25. But, somebody said, but at midnight. The very reason that took them to prison is the very reason they are maintaining in prison. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were what? They found other prisoners there. And they were listening to them. Mm -hmm. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. You cannot underestimate the power of prayer and praise and worship in the midst of your oppression. Now I want to say something to you. That's not what I felt I wanted to talk to you about. It is in line with what I felt I wanted to talk to you about. But allow me to tell you that I want to talk to you briefly about a principality that hates prayer. Somebody say, I hear you. You see, warfare is any affliction or oppression or resistance or opposition that you face 
while seeking and attempting to fulfill your assignment. Warfare is any opposition that you face while trying to fulfill your assignment. When we talk about assignment, we mean your dream. When we mean your dream is what we call your calling. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to say this to you. Your career is what you are paid to do. And your calling is what you were created to do. Can I repeat? Your career is what you are paid to do. And your calling or assignment or destiny or purpose is what you were created for. So what you are paid to do is lesser than what you are created for. Let me say this to you. Your assignment is greater than your career. Your career must feed into the reason you were created. So the money that comes from your career must feed your assignment. Because the reason you breathe is to fulfill that specific assignment. Now, let me borrow the words of a wise man I followed for many years, Miles Monroe. That's why I have a middle name, Moses Miles Kwagala. That man said, the poorest man on earth is a man without a dream, without a purpose. And the most frustrated man on earth is a man with a dream that never becomes a reality. That's the most frustrated. When people are frustrated, it has, it, you can connect every frustration either back to dreams unfulfilled or dreams under challenge or you can, look, you can actually trace back frustration to ignorance of assignment. When people lack understanding of their true call from God, they are easily frustrated. Allow me to say this to you. Destiny that you always hear people sing about. Destiny is the... The word destiny simply means heaven's expectation upon an individual in time. Or the intent, the original design and the intent for which God created you for. So destiny simply or assignment or a call or dream means the solution that God created you to be. Are you listening to me? The solution that God created you to be. The relevance of an individual is connected to the solution they provide. If you are not providing any solution, you are not relevant. You are just occupying space. You see, what makes the dentist relevant in the community? Because he solves your teeth problem. 
you are an employer and then you have many employees you can't manage them you need a HR human resource team to manage your staff so what gives relevance to that person is the solution they provide to the employer or the CEO are you hearing me the relevance of this pen to me it is the solution it provides to me the relevance of my phone has to do with the solution it provides to me. The moment my phone ceases to offer me solutions, it becomes irrelevant. Ladies and gentlemen, do you agree? That the moment it ceases to offer me solutions, it is rendered useless. Your relevance in time is connected to the solution you provide to your generation. You see, in life, there are all sizes of people and all kinds of people. You see, there are, in life we have gamblers. Somebody say gamblers. Those who guess, they are gambling with their lives, they live on probability. You see, depression loves people who have no sense of direction. You will say, what do you mean? <laughs> because, are you hearing me? Here we have Jesus. He calls his disciples and he tells them if you have burdens, because depression is the weighing down. Are you hearing me? It's the compression. It is pressure compressing you, pressing you to operate beneath your capacity. Hmm? Depression. So Jesus gets to tell his disciples, if you give me the scripture in Matthew 11, 28, 29, we'll love it. Church, do we have each other? It says, Matthew 11. 28, 29. Sometimes it freezes so you can always rush to your, um, your Bibles. Praise the name of the Lord. You can just rush to your Bible. We appreciate um, the media team, but also they cannot. Um, if the machines are not fast enough, you can't, they can't do nothing. Let's read children of God. One, two, three, go. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor under heavy word. And I will give you what? That's the initial first rest that everybody has received. Somebody say, the rest of salvation. Here, his, his, this is a general call. Somebody said, there's a general call. This one is a general call, but there is a specific call now. This, come to me, all you who labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the rest of salvation. Are you hearing me? Being born again. Then he goes on to next verse. Let's read it. 29. It says, take my yoke upon you. Take my word. He's saying, he's talking to 
a community of people. He employs the language of a farmer because the Israelites by trade, they were farmers, isn't it? So they under, he understands that the audience understands when he talks about a yoke. Normally, a yoke, you would get a piece of wood and put it around the cow and yoke it with another cow and put the plow, the plows behind. So they are yoked together. This cow, if it is going east, this one must follow it, whether it likes or not. They are yoked. They are tied together. No one can go wherever they wish because they are yoked. So Jesus says, if you want to fulfill greatness, you and I must be yoked. He says, take my yoke, which shows you Jesus was under a yoke. Uh, don't, uh, I mean, Jesus says, take my yoke. Tell your neighbor, Jesus has a yoke. And when he calls you, somebody said, when he calls you, tell them he yokes you. So that yoke, it means that uh, where he goes, I go. When he sits, I sit. When I he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from what? Come learn from me. Listen, you cannot, a person that has not initially, initially carried your yoke cannot be your student. We must come into yoking together. Now, the yoke is what brings us to have things in common. Oh, come on, somebody. Children of God, do you know the word fellowship, koinonia, comes from the, the word fellowship, which is a Greek word, koinonia, means companionship or to have things in common. Are you hearing me? Now, for us to have companionship we have we must have things in common are you listening to me that's why the word communication comes from a latin word communis a latin word communis which means which means common shared values so for us to communicate where it is not about noise or sound. Communication is more than sound. It is the values that commonly bring us together that we have fellowship. Now, if there are no common values that bring us together that we share, we are gathering and not fellowshipping. I don't think you heard me. What makes us the assembly or the fellowship of Jesus Christ is that his values have become our values. That's why he says, when two or three gather in my name, you can, then I'll be there. They have to gather in the name. Ladies and gentlemen, the name in the Bible denotes personality. Are you hearing me? It, it also denotes a man's name is his identity. A man's name is his character. It is his nature. Are you hearing me? So Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my nature. Nature talks about spirit. Are you hearing me? So when two or three are gathered in my spirit, what is the spirit of Jesus? 
the spirit of love, the spirit of grace. Are you hearing me? That's the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of extravagant love that looks beyond its own needs and looks at the needs of a sinner that is about to go into hell and it says, I'm going to go step in and die in his place because I want him back. The spirit of Jesus is a selfless spirit that a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And it is, it is in the same it is in the same manner that he calls us to lay down our all. So that, are you hearing me? So when we come to, when we gather in the name of Jesus, it is to gather in the spirit of all who Jesus is and represents. And are you hearing me? So therefore communication brings us to a place of common shared values. It is the values that we commonly highly esteem and commonly adhere to that gives us the firm ground we call communication of fellowship. You see today, the Bible says, and they were together in one place, in one accord and with the same mind. And then God poured out the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the apostolic church was a church that had the same common values. They had the same shared common values. One of those values was the adherence to the word. They pursued and highly esteemed the word of God. Are you hearing me? That all these men while they preached, they preached men and people away from themselves as they preached them towards Jesus Christ the word. Are you, remember, are you hearing this? He gets to tell them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and, and says, uh, whether in 20, from 2021, 20, whether he says, who is Peter or Cephas or Apollos? All things are yours. The world, life, death, every, the world, I, everything is yours and everything is Christ's and Christ is God's. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he's what I'm trying to say, these guys had a common shared value. They highly esteemed the word of God. They highly, they, have, they had a common shared value, the early church. They were in the upper room in one accord. Why? Waiting for the power to become witnesses. But today, we have conflicting values. We gather in the same place. We are crying out for the outpouring, but with conflicting values. We are not in agreement. Somebody wants the power for himself. The others were in the, in the upper room for the power to come upon them to move their generation. They were crying out to God because they were desperately wanting to see change in their London city. They wanted truly and not fakely or vaguely honestly they wanted to see God move in their generation so they were waiting for the promise of the father because their number one agenda was Jesus's mission the mission for which Jesus came and bled and died for was now their mission are you hearing me now they are yoked together with him that whatever is his is theirs are you hearing me? Now, as they are waiting, they are waiting in sync with his purpose and mission and vision. 
Do we wait for his power for the same reason? Do we want God to move in the city and in our generation for the same reason? Whereas there are those that want God, but they want him so that they can become famous. Or they want the power to manipulate God's people through the power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A certain preacher called man of God in quotes one time told me, if I had the grace you carry to cast out demons like that and then preach the way you preach, I'll be richer than the way you are. I'll be owning Range Rovers. I looked at him and I began to distance myself from him. As I speak, he's even blocked on my phone. My spiritual father told me, be careful with your association with the pastors. Choose them selectively. Use a siever while you look through them. Every November, I go through my phone to, to delete and block pastors. I assess every November, what value have they added on me? I'm not a time waster. I never came from Islam to come to Christianity to play games. To you, Jesus may be a figment of an imagination. To me, it's a reality. I saw him. I have seen him several times. The one who told me while I was homeless and rejected by my family, a 16-year-old boy sleeping on church benches, no education, no certificate, nobody, no food, no, no job, no career, nothing. While he used to tell me on that bench, I'm taking you to the nations. Today, I am moving nations. What he told me on that bench, he has never lied. So I'm not trying to talk to you about something I don't understand. Are you hearing me? I didn't hear him. I never got to know him in a seminary. I had a personal face-to-face -face encounter seven hours when I came out of this body. And they called me when I didn't understand who an apostle is. Are you listening to me? So, what is communication? It is the exchange between two individuals in order for them to reach an understanding. It's not about speaking. It is the exchange that takes place between two individuals in order for them to reach an understanding. It's not about what you say. It's not about you said it, they said. It's have you reached, if you think you have communicated and we haven't reached an understanding, you made noise. So therefore there are certain things we can endeavor and labor on the altar to communicate with you. And they are and your spiritual frequency is too low to perceive them. But when you come with us to a place of prayer, they can, now we have a common ground. As we pray and the wind covers all of us and then it moves, then we begin, oh, yeah, I understand. Have you seen lovers? That sometimes you look at a couple that can be in the crowd and they, they are communicating, they're not talking, they look at each other. And then, have you seen it? Somebody can, can be across and say, have you seen it? But they're not, op they not opening their, uh, their mouth, they're looking at each other. Say, Do you see? Do you see what I'm seeing? Then somebody look around to see what they're seeing. Then they see, the, by the time they're seeing, yeah, I see it. And, and they are communicating across the room with that. Why? 
And also there comes a moment when you're so knitted together. That sometimes what you, have you noticed that the time you want to text, sometimes I want to text my wife. Who say, hi, how you doing? The time I'm picking up the phone, her text is coming in. You have come to, are you hearing me? But this relationship as a physical marriage, so should be a ministerial marriage like that. That when we get to say, we sense in the realm of the spirit that God is taking us to this place. This is what God is saying. You say, I have a witness. I feel it. That's what, but, but, if, but why is it that others are being dragged? Their spiritual frequency is still low. And this is how, not, it's not too low just because the devil made it low. But the cause men were not willing to pull up their socks and be involved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's what causes men to be missed out in a generation. I got born again and the guys that I was leading in the group I began, the forgiven. They were, they were raised in the church. They started in the church, they grew up in the church. Hmm? Until today, they are still helter-skeltering. They have not defined why they are here. I told them something in 1998 that they never understood until today. I told them, yes, we are singing. And uh, they were... It came as a result when there was a church that was inviting us to sing. And it was a bit remote from the church, mainstream churches that were inviting our group at that time. So now it was a local church, not many members. And it's a bit not as nice as uh, the other ones. So these guys said, those people, are, we're not going there. Even they're not going to give us enough offering. I looked at them, I, at them, I told them. And they told me, they haven't even offered us transport. I said, but can we not go just to, for the sake of ministering? Because, and then those youth and those other people's souls, we can get out of them. Ah, you, you are trying now to, to, to behave like a pastor here. I told them, listen, what is the motive of this group and why do we sing? Why has he gifted us to sing? Why? What is the essence of our ministration? Is it a big offering or souls? Truly, do we want souls? And this goes to many even men of God. That's why God says, God the altar. My father tells me this. There are three things, my son, you should guard with all jealous in your life. Guard your marriage with all jealous. Guard your anointing. Guard your pulpit with all jealous. There are people that look for preaching opportunities and they, what motivates them is the love offering. Those are not people that can come to a place to build a ministry. And they are those that step into ministry because they want to use ministry as a means to earn. But the real agenda is not the soul. So now the conflicting desires are what hinders the flow and open heaven over the present day church because it has become traditional religious because there is a spirit that has captured it that they don't understand.
Ladies and gentlemen, Paul talks to the Galatian church. You've just read Acts of Apostle 16. Apostle says that while they were on their way to what? Somebody said to the place of prayer. If you give me back that scripture, 16, 16, Acts of Apostles. Now it happened. Somebody said, now it happened. Please mark the Bible language when you study. Now it happened. Is it a coincidence? It happened that we were on our way to what? To prayer and we were met with a divination spirit. A spirit that hates prayer. Is a girl possessed with a demon of divination. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say this to you? That the word divination in Greek is puthon. Is what? Puthon. Puthon. From which you get an English word, python. Python. So they were met with a girl possessed with the spirit of a python. So God expects you according to Isaiah 42, 19 and 20. He says, who is blind but my servant, deaf like my messenger, my devoted messenger. <laughs> ESV says, I want you to, please, before I say this, open Isaiah 42, 19, 20. Because there's where it says, my deaf. You see, a, my blind, devoted messenger. There is nothing as dangerous as a devoted messenger who is blind. And that is the state of today's church. Devoted but blind. Satan does not care how much devoted you are, provided you are spiritually ignorant, blind. Read. Behold my servant... Whom I uphold with my, no, 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 42, uh, 42, 19, 20. Church, are you here today? Let's read together all of us so you don't say I put in some words. Uh -huh, go on. God is asking, who is blind but my? So which means God is concerned about spiritual blindness of a servant. God is concerned about your spiritual blindness as a believer. It is not God's will for you to be spiritually blind. And there is a solution for that. That's why he gave you the tongues. To pray more in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues, be in the place of prayer. Some people say, me, I don't pray in tongues. You show up in the place of prayer long enough and see if you won't pray in tongues. She wasn't praying in tongues before I met her, you know. And until recently, now she's babbling in tongues. There's a lady, a Jamaican lady that came here on Friday. She's been coming all throughout the week. And she was instantly healed of a pain, a general body pain she went through or whatever she went through, which is her business, not for me to share with you. But God touched her. Then she came. When she was touched in this place, she started hungering for more. On Friday when this pastor from Uganda was here, when he came, she was here. All of her friends, the Jamaican friends were not here, but she was here. And guess what? On that Friday, the man of, 
she, she asked me, I was seated next to her there at the back. Do, she, they haven't called me, hasn't, for me, hasn't like, picked me up. Is it okay if I go over there? I tell her, yeah, if you feel in your heart, go place that demand. You stand over there until he sees you. You stand before him. So she came. Because I felt her faith was in the right place. Oh, he hasn't called me, but I, I can go over there. She's placing a demand on the anointing as the man of God was saying. And the man of God, when he came to her, he prayed and said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. She began speaking in tongues. So now where she was struggling in prayer, now when she's here, when we are praying, she's roba kita brozadi baradebasa. Now, there are those who don't speak in tongues. They think God will find them under their duvet and empower them in their duvet. Well, I've got some news for you. That devil lied to you. So, you need to, God is concerned about the state of your spiritual life and eyes. Look, read. Who is blind but my, my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I? Now, read, uh-huh. Who is blind? As he who is, and blind as, look at 20, 20. Mm -hmm. This one, there's one, no, put in ESV. Please, I ask you, put that verse in ESV. It says, who is blind? Uh-huh, ESV. Aha, uh aha, -huh. uh -huh. everybody, who is blind? Read, as my dedicated one. That's the one I wanted, you see it? You are you know, blind dedication, blind devotion leads to no results. You come to church, but you are dedicatedly blind, dedicated, devotedly blind and deaf. So that's why you are easy. It is easy to pick offense even from the sermon. But when your spiritual senses are somewhere, me, no one can frustrate me. You can't. You can try all you want. You can't. Because my spirit is resolute. I know what, I, what God has told me. He has defined the purpose. You stand in the way, I kick you out. If it means to come and talk to you face to face, I'll come. And, hey, listen, I'll talk to that demon in you. But you can't, I'm not one, listen, I'm not one of them pastors that just come in a place. If God sent me, you can't run me out of a place. Nobody can run me out. You see, some people, you know, they pretend they heard from God. If you heard, you can't just flee. You can't flee me if I heard. Do you understand? Hey, your mayor's gone. I'm trying to tell you when you define purpose. It dictates your choices and decisions. Your prayer changes when you understand the purpose. Are you hearing me? God sends you to places to be a solution to those places. Now every problem I find in the place where I'm sent, I discover that's my assignment. The problem I see, I was already sent as a solution. I have to correct it. You like, you don't like, I, I want to correct this. I tell pastor. This I must correct. And I tell apostle, I correct this. They get mad, let them get mad. As I'm doing my assignment, God sent me to do this. Is it within scripture? Is it the will of God? Is it with, am I seeking glory out of it? Or God is taking glory? So let's correct this. Well, are you hearing me? 
Because I'm sent as a solution. And wherever I find a problem, I must be the solution to that problem. Most of you come to the church and say, this church, that is missing. This is the reason you see what is missing. You are the solution to that problem. And if the problem is a person, then you solve that problem, that person. You come and tell me. Me, I'm a solution. It's a problem, you come and tell me. I'm an apostle. You come tell me. Yeah, go to the person you can't go to. I tell them, listen, I'm here to build the work. You're making it difficult for me. Yeah, I'm built. God sent me to build. God sent me to be a consolation and a joy to them. And now, you, you are being the problem. You come to me, apostle, this is the person. I say, you sit down here. You are becoming a problem to what God has told me to, to what God has sent me to do. Step out of the way. You either get, jump on board or get out. Shout hallelujah. Church, are you here? Do you love church? I don't know where your mind is at with this sermon. But you know, most of you know that I wasn't called to excite. I was called to cut and build. Trim you so you bring more fruit. Now let's look at this scripture so I can't stay here. So I can, I can work this thing out and leave you to go home. Now... You know this religious python spirit, right? Paul told the Galatians, right? Which message resonates and perfectly fits with our present generation. And the church in our generation, that's what I mean. When I say present generation, I'm not meaning young people. I mean the church. All foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Galatians 3.1. Who has bewitched you that you should, you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So the ultimate purpose, ladies and gentlemen, of this Puthon, Python, divination spirit. Are you hearing me? It is a spirit that operates witchcraft now witchcraft is on several dimensions are you listening to me many times when we talk about witchcraft born again christians quickly say i if anyone is in Christ Jesus, and then they go to um there's no witchcraft against israel there's no divination against israel i'm already born again sealed in christ okay the witchcraft, ha tell your neighbor, witchcraft has several dimensions. But the real witchcraft is not the witchcraft of the satanic covens out there. The real witchcraft which is a danger to you is the personal witchcraft you constantly exercise and it is exercised within the church. The Bible says God Witchcraft as per God's definition is 1 Samuel 15. That the sin of witchcraft, is, it says witchcraft is as what? The sin of rebellion is what? Is witchcraft. So it is the Christian's rebellion that, empower, that empowers the external witch. You didn't hear what I'm saying. What empowers territorial and local regional witches within here in Greenwich Woolwich? It is 
our rebellion, which is a type of witchcraft that empowers the other witchcraft. You cannot cast out the same spirit you are in bed with. Witchcraft, I bind you and the demons are laughing. I told you a story of my spiritual father when he went on a prayer mountain to pray with his friend and then the friend saw a vision and was looking at people that were on a prayer mountain in Uganda praying. They were in a corner, a group of people praying, praying, praying. But as this man of God is praying, he went to seek the Lord. His eyes are open. He sees demons around them. The more they are praying, the more demons are being tickled, tickled, and they were laughing and enjoying the prayers of these guys. And the man of God said, what, what am I seeing? And the more they said, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, the more the demons were being tickled. And he said, mm. Mm -mm. Then I said, Lord, what am I seeing? 